Chosen a few of our most honored guests here tonight from radio station WPA, Big Bill Hill and Buddy Spann. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Michael Frank, thanks for joining us. Uh, Delighted to be here, Dave. Um, I'm going to turn it up a little bit there. Um, Cadillac Baby. Um, first of all, I haven't seen you in 20 years. Now I've seen you <laughs> twice in a week or something. You're the uh, still out here. President, founder of uh, Earwig, Earwig uh, Music. Yes. Do I have that right? Started and, right here in Chicago in 1979. Earwig Music Company. Um, and so I knew you through, uh, I think I, I really... Got to know you through your work with Honey Boy Edwards. You know, we did a lot of stories on him and stuff like that. You played with him. I knew him 39 out of the last 40 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 39 years. Yeah. But you've got this project. <laughs> this is like right up. This is just so great. Um, I don't know where to begin. Just, well, you know, we'll just do 101. You heard a little bit of this Cadillac Baby there at, at the well, beginning of the segment. Tell people who Cadillac Baby yeah, right. was. Yeah. And uh, well, who was he? Cadillac Baby was a hardworking hustler. I mean that in a positive sense. Who came up to Chicago right after World War II? Came up from Mississippi. From Mississippi, around near Edwards, Mississippi, near Jackson, and uh, he worked while he was up here initially as a day laborer and a janitor, but he was a blues entrepreneur early on down in Mississippi with his mother, r running uh, you know, house parties with blues with the Mississippi Sheiks and selling fish and moonshine. And, and so when he got up here, he wanted to do that again because he loved blues. He loved gospel too and you know, all kinds of music, but he was especially interested in country blues, urban blues, R&B, and gospel. And so he decided, after he'd saved up enough money to get started, that he wanted to have a nightclub. And he loved Cadillacs. So um, he started a club call, called Cadillac Baby's Show Lounge, but that wasn't really the first uh, version of it. And, and he used to help a lot of musicians and poor people, winos, as he, wine heads as he called them, um, just give money and help them when they needed a favor or something. Just a little helping hand. And so he started to help musicians. And those musicians suggested to him that he get into the record business in order to make some of the money back that he'd so generously given them. And that's why he started the record label. But first he was in the nightclub business. And the name of the label was? Being Baby Records was the main name of the label. B was for his wife Bertha and he was baby for Cadillac baby but actually the baby goes back earlier than that when he was a kid he was known as baby Eatman the winos started calling him Cadillac baby because he always liked to have a Cadillac <laughs> and you know I was infatuated with the story he actually did drive a Cadillac onto the stage of uh, yes. some of his venues in uh, the Cadillac baby show lounge he, he built um, a revolving stage and he built a ramp to the stage and the garage doors into the club which actually was on two co two corners 48 7th and 
uh, Dearborn. And so he drove his Cadillac up onto the stage and he would sit there with the microphone and emcee the show. Four CDs. <laughs> about how many songs? Over, over well, there's 101 tracks. There are four, uh, four little interview snippets of him talking about his life in Mississippi, his early history, and his time in Chicago, courtesy of um, Jim O'Neill yeah. and Steve Cushing, another radio guy. Yeah. And uh, that was very generous of them to let me actually enable people to hear Cadillac Baby's own voice talking about his exploits and about some of the musicians. And, uh, I mean... You can elaborate on this, but holy mackerel. Hound Dog Taylor, Sonny Line Slim, Sleepy John Estes, Homesick James, yeah. uh, the late Andre Williams, who we just lost. Yeah. Uh, my friend uh, T. Valentine. I think we might play one of his uh, snippet of his track. <laughs> uh, we're going to have one of your artists on in the next segment, but um, it's just, it's, it's it, uh, you know what I like about it? Uh, it, it goes beyond blues. I mean, it oh, goes yeah. in the, he recorded everything. I mean, soul, R&B, there's comedy, gospel. I mean, it's really, really a great flavor of Chicago life. It really covers almost all, everything in Chicago except rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, there's, he didn't do jazz per se, but there are a couple of instrumentals uh, on this box set where you can hear you know, it might be something like you might have heard from Jimmy Smith or Groove Holmes, but it was Paul, tall Paul Hankins. But, uh, yeah, he loved all of it, and he wanted to have his hand in all of it as a fan and as an entrepreneur to, to make money. You worked on this, you told me the other day, you worked on this seven years? <laughs> I started working on it in earnest in uh, 2012, yeah. But I, I got involved with Cadillac Baby in 1989 and 1988 and ended up the hip-hop that's on this project was from 1989 when Cadillac Baby wanted to get back in the record business um, and he and I followed our mission which was to help musicians and we we met this young kid 3D who was 17 and his mother who was hard driving uh, really helping him and uh, Richard Davenport. Richard Davenport, and she talked us into, convinced us that he was really worth taking seriously. And Cadillac Baby and I took Richard at, at the age of seventeen into the studio and did two hip hop tracks. Um, we didn't put them out at the time, but then Cadillac Baby died, and then a the month after that, Richard was murdered, and so. But even though there were a lot of young kids, hip hoppers that knew him, and were calling me because they wanted the same, they wanted to get in the business too. That s scared me a bit. Um, so I, I just put his music in the archives until I actually um, bought Cadillac Baby's label and decided that was the final music that Cadillac Baby had his hands-on and uh was actually you know he and i were co-producers on that it was going to be a b and baby records earwig music co-production co-branded um when so. did when did he pass <laughs> real name narvell eatman he was his real name was narvell eatman yeah no, but everybody called him cadillac or cadillac baby or ba just baby <laughs> when, when did he pass away 
um, March of 1991. And how? what situation was he in? I mean, was he... His health had declined from 89 to 91 and eventually ended up in a nursing home, but it was congestive heart failure. Financially, where was all this music? These are all big um, questions. But... His music career was way, way behind him. Um, he found out, like many people in the record business found out, that it's hard to make... Uh, make money as an independent label with local artists no matter how good they are and so oh, um, after his heyday which was from 60, 59 to 65 um, even though he did some more recording in 1771 he basically had a hard time financially and by the time I met him he was actually only selling some 45s that he had as well as hubcaps buying and selling hubcaps I read that, yeah. candy and stuff but he still you know a lot of musicians knew him and would visit him and he had a dream of getting back in one more time and well so he is he too bad <laughs> maybe um okay we're gonna take a break and we're gonna come back with one of the, there's not many artists left but we're gonna have one on the phone from birmingham after this yes. and uh it's great because he helped you uh with this project he had some, some wonderful stories. He he put uh, gave me more personal context for what Cadillac Baby's business was actually like. So I want to talk about that, yeah. and I also want to talk about the chess the chess relationship yeah. and stuff like that. So don't go away. This is great stuff on uh, WGN's Nocturnal Journal. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. That's the Daylighters with uh, Tony Gideon. Uh, I think we're to Tony. <laughs> Tony must be with Jerry Lewis because we can't. I don't think we can find him either. <laughs> but uh, we're gonna text him. So talk about that track. Talk about who these guys were. <laughs> You know, I guess that I hadn't seen you in 20 years, but God, you're doing <laughs> you're doing stuff like this. I always associate you with Sunnyland Slim and Honey well, Boy Edwards, yeah, and then I, I know, but <laughs> but actually, I was listening to stuff like Tony Gideon was doing before I was listening to blues. Yeah, because I was from Pittsburgh. Yeah, and vocal groups were huge and still are in Pittsburgh, and I would hear it on the radio and loved it. So, uh, that so it was a natural fit. But Tony Gideon and the Daylighters were one of Many local, um, regional doo-wop groups. And for those of you who may not know what doo-wop <laughs> is, doo-wop is vocal uh, group vocals, uh, usually with a lead vocalist and background well, accompanying vocalists. You know, at different uh, vocal ranges: tenor, bass baritone often two tenors yeah um and their doo-wop was hugely popular all over the united states and eventually all over the world since the early 50s um and tony gideon was in one of those groups which is from chicago actually they started in birmingham alabama where he's from right and they moved up here he moved up here and then went back to Birmingham and came back again with his whole group. And then it, they recorded for Cadillac Baby as the Daylighters. So you came, I, I didn't ask you this question the other day when we were had uh, whatever we did, we had a beer and a coffee. 
<laughs> to the Hollywood Grill. Um, so you come to Chicago in 70... I moved here in June of 72. And you were a big music guy. Is that, was that why you I came was to... a fan yeah. who knew I wanted to be around blues musicians, meet blues musicians. I had several thousand blues LPs by then and other kinds of music, but more blues albums. And so I wanted to meet the musicians and hear them in their own environment where they were making the music and get to know them. And so Chicago was the place to be. And I think, just in line with that, I got a question, but I'll put it on hold. Tony, you there? I'm here. Hey, how are you, Tony? I'm hanging in, man. Thanks for joining us. We got Michael on on the phone. Hi, Tony. Yeah, I heard you I mean, guys. I'm, yeah. So actually, he was talking about me. How did you guys first hook up? Uh, how did you, Tony? How did you meet Michael? Well, uh, actually, Jim O'Neill uh, had uh, phoned me several times and was asking all kinds of, uh, I thought, crazy questions <laughs> concerning. Uh, Cadillac Baby and my time with, you know, being Baby Records. And um, when uh, uh, I was talking to Bob Pruder one day oh, yeah. and on Facebook, and I mentioned that uh, Jim had called me and he was asking me all these questions. So uh, Bob said, well, I don't know, maybe he's writing a book. And uh, then Bill Dow came on. Mm-hmm. And, and they said, all helped with this project. Pr Pruder and Bill Dahl said, "Oh, he's calling you uh, for uh, he's interviewing you for liner notes." Uh, I said, "Liner notes for what?" Oh, the old B and Baby stuff that you did with with Cadillac Baby, and that's how I, I found out that Michael had purchased uh, uh, the uh, catalog. And then uh, Michael and I, uh, it's just recently with that we uh, got hooked up, touch bases with each other. And uh, it's been a, been a few months, right? It's been a few months. Can you hear him now? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just ask me a question. Yeah. How long have you been working uh, together on this, uh, Michael? Well, I started talking with Tony about maybe about a year ago um it's i found out from reading one of um bob pruder's books yeah on chicago well both of them chicago soul and and his doo-wop book about tony uh in more detail I, I mean i knew about him from the 45s but i i didn't really know the depth of his experience or his deep connection to Cadillac Baby and his role until I actually started talking with him on the phone and we became friends. I've never actually met Tony in oh, person. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I hope to either go to Birmingham or bring him up to Chicago later on this year when I do a special event. Tony, but, Michael uh, looks like a modern-day Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Oh, but yeah. Tony yeah. has such wonderful <laughs> stories. Yeah. He filled in a, a lot of gaps in my understanding of Cadillac Baby and his operations. And I, I said that plural because Cadillac Baby had his hands in a whole bunch of different things, and Tony filled me in on a, a lot of that yeah, in yeah. more detail. And had a big role in it in 1959, 1960. 
What was his? Uh, I got two questions here for you, uh, Tony. What was uh, Cadillac uh-huh. Baby's business acumen like? And I know you've you've gotten your own business started. And what did you learn from watching his the way he worked? What did you learn what to do, and what did you learn that did didn't work? Well, uh, actually, I learned to record blues with Cadillac Baby. Uh, he had a tremendous year for blues. And, and music in general, but especially blues. He could record blues like nobody else. And I, I, I picked up on that due to the fact that, you know, my I, I started out very young in music uh, here in Birmingham uh, as as a youngster, and uh, I, I just music was, has always been a part of my life, you know. Okay. And uh, but Cadillac uh, uh, was like a, a, a big brother or father or whatever you want to call it, because we we hung together day in and day out, and he would teach me or just talk to me about stuff, you know, and some things I won't go into, but he was a he he was a very sharp guy. He discovered uh, Hound Dog Taylor came around when you guys were. T- tell the story about. It. I read that in the notes. The notes yeah. are excellent. I want to give props to all these guys that are <laughs> yeah, friends of mine, uh, Doll and Pruder, and yeah. We were sitting. Uh, we happened to be sitting in in the uh, club, and we were eating uh, some red beans and rice. Miss B had fixed, and she could really cook. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Hound Dog would come by every day, get his wine. And he'd go down the fence with uh, some of the guys he hung out with. Uh, Cadillac had a, a slab fence that ran down down the sidewalk around the property, you know. And what I mean by slab, it had the bark on it. The, the, when you cut the outside of a, a tree and 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 it uh, leave the bark on that on that piece of wood, well, that's the kind of fence he had running down there. And uh, Hound Dog came in, and he said, uh, Elmore James had been working at the club, and Elmore uh, was sick. He had a, uh, Elmore had a heart problem. And so uh, uh, Hound Dog was standing there, and he was talking. He said, Cadillac, I can play like Elmore. And we looked at him, and we just thought, you know, he was, oh, this guy is out of his tree. So anyway, uh Cadillac looked at him and he said, oh, "Okay, if you can play like Elmo, there's a guitar over there, and the amp. Go ahead." He went over there. He turned the amp on, tuned up the guitar, and took the bottleneck out of his pocket. And when he started to play, you would have thought Elmo was sitting there. Uh, uh. <laughs> All right, on that note, we got we got to take a quick break um, for the news, but we're going to keep you both on for a little bit after 10 o'clock, okay? So, um, okay. Is that okay, Tony? That's fine. You okay, Michael? Yes. I like your shirt. <laughs> He's wearing like a hippie Peter Max shirt here, Tony. Life's a beast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, so uh, don't go away on Nocturnal Journal on WGN. Everybody came with intentions to bop. The big 
Sometimes we got to hear Madhouse jump again. Uh, so on the, I don't know if you heard it the first time there. That that was uh, Tony Gideon of the, of the Daylighters on that track. How you doing, Tony? Tony, you there? <laughs> Michael, you're here. I know that. I am. I'm, yeah, I don't hear Tony. We don't hear Tony in here. There's no Tony. Um, I'm looking for it. Well, anyway, so we we were going to talk about uh, T. Valentine. Yeah. So talk about that. Yeah. Well, T. Valentine is um, quite the character himself uh, musically. Uh, and when he's not on stage, he's just a, a very down to earth guy. You'd never think was his stage persona, but he he's um, a guy that met Cadillac Baby in 1959 through Detroit Jr., who is a musician also affiliated with Cadillac Baby. And T. Valentine had, he was a writer of kind of free-form stories like about vampires and all kinds of And he's still around. He's still around on the South Side. And so he had a dream to be a recording artist. And so through Detroit Jr., he met Cadillac Baby and because T. Valentine loved the blues. He ended up making uh, a 45, which is a blues band with his sort of mixture of ra- of rapping, ranting, shouting. Um, it's did, very different from anything else on the label. Did you know him, uh, Tony? T. Valentine. Yeah. Yes, I knew T. Yeah, yeah. He had that novel he hit a few years back, uh, Lucille. Are you a lesbian? <laughs> you a lesbian? Did you know that song, Tony? I no, I didn't. I, I uh, probably was uh, not in Chicago at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was yeah. his payback song to his ex-wife. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all used to hang out over at the. Uh, uh, there was a club where we used to hang on Monday, all day on Mondays, and uh, over uh, on Indiana. It was in the basement of a hotel. And uh, I can't even think of the name of it now. Um, we were going to play, and on the podcast, we will hear a snippet of it, uh, of Little Lulu Frog. You were telling me during the break, that's kind of like maybe doing the frog noise. Yeah. Really? So he was like all over the place. Yes, he was. He was an entrepreneur, right, Tony? That's one of yeah, the things Tim Allen like, uh, told you, me. You were, if you were, I don't know if you were around when uh, uh, the Regal Theater was there. Yeah. Well, uh, Cadillac Baby used to own those trucks that ran up and down South Park that advertised in the shows for the Regal Theater. But nobody knew he owned them. I was probably the only one, one of the uh, few people that knew. And he also was involved, he 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 would get a float for the Bud Billiken Parade, uh, right? He was like right there with Herb Kent, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, talk about yeah, that. Yeah. Who, who was and on the Herb, float? Herb, Herb became a very close uh, friend of mine and, and, and uh, of the Daylighters also. And so 
I mean, what was on the float? Did was Cadillac maybe on the float? What was the scene? Yes. Are there there's pictures of that in the? There's in a the... picture of him on the float. What I don't yeah, know is who the he... other people on the float were. Yeah. I don't remember who was on the float with him either. Yeah. And <laughs> that's been a long time. Yeah. You're invaluable to this project, though, because you're you're the, one of the last ones left who was who was there, right, Tony? Yeah, and basically, I was a. Uh, uh, the only one that really wasn't a musician at uh, playing on the sessions that would be at the sessions with him. Uh, we did sessions on uh, Sunnyland Slim, Roosevelt Sykes. We did the Money Tree on uh, Detroit Junior. And we did that, the, uh, the Money Tree we did uh, just to draw uh, patrons into the club. And the, and the song became a hit and sold 60,000 copies in the city of Chicago. And what was the hook of the song? How did it get people to come to the club? It was, it was just a song. Uh, <laughs> it really was just a, he just did a, 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 a boogie-type song. Too much money, that kind of thing. And it hit. Wow. And the people just started... They would just come from the west side and different places into the club because the uh, Detroit Junior had the house band. And he was a good entertainer. I mean, he ca he was able to keep singing that song for the rest of his life, up you know on Lincoln Avenue at the blues clubs and yeah. blues and Kingston Mines. Yeah, last time I saw that. Detroit Junior, <laughs> I was uh, I was living in Mobile back during the seventies, and he came through there with uh, uh, Howlin' Wolf. Right, he and uh, Wolf, Wolf was an old friend of mine. Anyway, what a great project! Um, maybe we got two minutes left. Like we can't answer this question in two minutes. I'll get out of the way. But what was you guys? What was the relationship with Chess Records? They knew what you were doing. I I uh, recorded for Chess. Yeah, right. Leonard bought the first. The, I cut the first Watusi song right. ever recorded. Watusi, yeah. Yeah, and Leonard Chess uh, bought the master from Cadillac, and he changed the title to What You Gonna Do, and he went on the flip side. The song was uh, entitled uh, The Way You Move Me, Baby. And about eight months after the song came out, I got drafted. Yeah. <laughs> so I was gone for two years. But I'm just, and I didn't go back to chess when I when I got out of the army. I mean, I'm just trying to ask. I asked this to Michael uh, last week. I mean, this whole this whole landscape of like chess and VG. I just wonder where Cadillac Baby like fit in with all that. Was it kind of underground or not? Well, Cadillac was was uh, the guy that well, you would think actually had the third uh, company behind chess and VG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. In, uh, that was located in Chicago. That actually cut uh, rhythm and blues and blues. Okay, we got to. VJ did uh, was doing it all, and they had been doing it since about 1953. Okay, well, we got a break. Thank you guys. Thanks so much, uh, Tony, for joining us tonight from Birmingham. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for coming in, Michael. It's a pleasure. It comes out in August? Yes, early August. And how can people find out about it? They can go to Amazon.com right now. Pre-order. Pre-order, or they can go to Earwig 
music.com, which is my record label, and it's up on my website. It's great. It's really, really some great stuff. It's an eye-opener. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you so much for coming in. Um, we're going to be back with some live music from John Seeger, so don't go away on Nocturnal Journal.